Welcome to Paddle Smash Academy. And we are all things paddle. Well, Ben, welcome. Welcome to uh, the Paddle Smash Academy podcast. We're so excited to have you here. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you are the first in the planet paddle only marketing agency, correct? I believe so. Yeah, I've done a lot of re a lot of research and homework, and you're going to now present to me evidence that there's many others. But <laughs> sorry, Ben. So, how did you get into the paddle uh, uh, industry? I mean, do you play paddle? I mean, did you play other racket sports? And you saw paddle, and you just said, you know, I got to get into this industry. Or how did it work? Yes. Yeah, it's interesting. So, I had uh, I grew up playing a lot of tennis and, and squash. Obviously, squash is a big game here in the UK, and. Um, and I've always kind of continued playing a little bit of both throughout kind of adult life. And then about three or four years ago, I went out to Dubai, where I used to live, actually. My sister lives. And um, she one evening said, I'm playing a game of paddle. I'm playing with four people, but one guy's dropped out. You've all heard this story before, right? Mm -hmm. You know, everyone's had someone that's dropped out and they have to go and fill in. And then, you know, typical story. I fell in love with it straight away. I think playing tennis and squash, it felt quite natural. Um, I've learned a lot about the game since, you know, the kind of the waves of offense, defense, and all the different quirks of the sport. And yeah, so I played then, and then I came back to the UK. This is probably, yeah, three or four years ago, and there were hardly any courts, and that is now changing. Um, so I used to kind of drive about 90 minutes to go and play a game. It was the, wow. not the closest court, but the closest court where I had friends to play with. Wow. <laughs> and and, uh, and then the, the segue to working in paddle was last year I was doing... Um, uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it, but I was um, doing a contract for the LTA, the tennis governing body here in, in the UK. And part of my remit was to look after the publicity for the British paddle team around the world championships, actually back in Dubai. And I was thinking, right, what am I going to do when this contract finishes? And everywhere I turned last year, I sort of met people from paddle and I felt like it was a bit of a calling to, to work in the sport. Um, and then the obvious place to start for me was using my kind of my career was obviously communications and marketing. And there were a lot of people setting up businesses in paddle clubs, brands, rackets. And I thought the obvious place for me to fit into the, the jigsaw puzzle is telling the stories. So that, you know, the marketing, the communications, the social media. So that was, uh, that was how paddle 22 arrived. Now, do you prefer playing paddle now versus tennis or squash? <laughs> uh, uh, tough one who am i going to annoy by saying <laughs> no look i i i grew up playing tennis from a young age and then i had what well, a lot of happens with independent sports right people play really young too much too fast and i burnt out didn't want to pick up a tennis racket for years my my you know this is by age 11 so talking super young um so i changed my my tennis addiction to squash and then did that throughout my teens um and and then kind of like i said i played both throughout my adult years and then when i met paddle it was like well actually here's a here's something totally different um so to answer your question yeah look i i enjoy playing paddle because it's a novelty right because i haven't spent my whole childhood growing up with it so there's so much you can learn and there's so much that's different and i'm learning the game um whereas tennis and squash you know of course you can always learn a bit but you feel like you know how it works yep. so i think being an adult and having like what i call a new new sport um feels quite unique so I, that's what's appealing to paddle right now so i've, I've not really answered your question have i <laughs> no I'll give you some time though today, give it another year you'll say paddle. paddle for sure you know what i'm saying <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. so how's the growth i won't pressure anymore on, on that on that subject but how how is the uh, the the growth of paddle in the uk within the last let's say few years i think it's um 
there's a lot of talk about it. So there's a lot of people, there's, there's media covering it on you know, TV and writing about it. There's a lot of hype, a lot of interest. There's quite a lot of excitement. A lot of people I talk to and say, hey, um, this is what I'm doing. I'm working in Paddle. They say, oh, I've heard about this. It's supposed to be the new big thing. So definitely the awareness of it is very high, I think, compared to what it was one, two years ago. Um, however, the, the, what's kind of lagging behind is the number of courts. So there's probably, uh, you know, probably about 350 courts would be my estimation right now. It's predicted to be certainly 400, maybe more by the end of the year. Wow. Um, but the, the graph is going up. So it's been a slow process, but it's quickening up. So the, the, the challenges you have here and probably similar to some of the US is getting planning permissions, the yeah. red tape, the, you know, everyone yeah. has the great ideas. The entrepreneurs come in and they face these really slow processes with yeah. public authorities. So that's what's holding it up. Um, but look, as with all these things, when there's bigger, bigger awareness from public authorities, from councils, from local associations, it will be quicker to put through these permits for courts. So that's the that's the biggest challenge right now. The enthusiasm's there. A lot of people wanting to go into business and, and it, you know ignite this industry, but it's uh, it's finding sites, it's getting the permissions and going through the bureaucracy, um, and then obviously the challenge is going to be getting mass awareness about a sport. You know we have sixty million people, sixty five million people in the UK. Uh, it's a really sport hungry population. So whilst I think there's lots of people that know about paddle, there's a hell of a lot of people that have still never heard of it. So, and that's where hopefully I can do it, you know, do do my own part to, um, to increase it. Ben, let me, let, let me ask you. So, you know, you see the growth there. I mean, what, what's happening here in the United States, it's a lot of the country clubs, what we call per se. I mean, you have something there, you know, they're taking courts away and they're putting, you know, Patel courts, pickable court, courts. Is that happening in the UK as well? Yeah, there's a few different things happening. I'd say I'd say the almost the first, uh, the sort of the the less risk averse option. Um, so the less risky option is operators who've gone into tennis clubs, and you know to be really simple about it, and sort of said, okay, well a lot of these courts are not being used Monday to Friday, nine to five. Here's a sport that's on the up. Lots of people talking about it. Second most popular sport in Spain, big in South America. Why don't we build some paddle courts on your tennis courts? That's a very simple model where people have come in and, and obviously to tennis clubs, that's quite appealing if they don't have to pay for the construction. So there's been that happening. Increasingly, I would say more ambitious people are moving away from that saying, actually, because of the climate in the UK, we need to build these things indoor. We want to see high occupancy. So we need these kind of warehouse type structures that you're seeing in Scandinavia, um, you know, industrial unit type things. Um, and let's build it indoor. It costs more money, but then we can get higher, you know, utilize, utilize, utilization of courts. Uh, we can get people more engaged because they're not currently look, always looking at the weather forecast. Um, so that you're kind of seeing that model. And then you're also seeing something in between, which is courts under canopies. So they're not indoors, but they have protection, at least from uh, vertical rain, not necessarily horizontal yeah. rain. Right. So look, yeah, there's different things happening. And then there's obviously the pay and play model. More transactional people show up, just want to have a hit. Then there's, I think what will become increasingly popular is the membership model which obviously is, you know, I understand kind of buoyant in Miami and people really want to replace that feel that you used to have in tennis clubs and squash clubs where that people would pay for their memberships, number one, because of the sport, but number two, because they meet, meet lifelong friends there. They meet their partners there. They have, it becomes their home from home. And I think that's what a lot of people will enjoy is that feeling of like having a community. Um, so look, that, that's, that's, there's different things happening. There will be the, the public authority parks where you just pay and, and show up. Um, but I think the more appealing thing to, to most people is to have that kind of community feel. Now, let's talk about cost uh, in the UK. Um, you talked about memberships and uh, the cost per hour. 
What are you seeing when it comes to the cost? Um, I'm seeing different things. Obviously, there's pre- premium type offerings. So I'll give you an example. Uh, I can't tell you kind of what it what it costs per hour. They just opened, but there's a great club in London just opened called Padium. Uh, look it up. It's in Canary Wharf, which is kind of wow. you know the city, our, our, our Wall Street, I guess. Um, opened last week. They had a fantastic opening party. It's right prime piece of real estate. They've got an amazing opportunity there to market it amongst the bankers and the corporate crowd and play on that. Um, and yeah, look, I imagine they will, that will be maybe more of a premium offering, but then there's other ends of the scale where people can, you know, a bit more, I guess the pay and play where it is just, you know, wanting to get people on court quick and fast, not necessarily retaining people through that loyalty of memberships where it'll be a cheaper, cheaper court, um, usage. Um, to give you an example, I, so I've moved house recently. I'm in the South of England and, um, uh, I joined up, joined up to a local club and they've got four outdoor paddle courts. And yeah, the court, you know, court costs between four people, we're talking, um, you know, per hour, probably 15, 20 pounds, split that between four people, five pounds, I mean, nothing. Wow. But then I'm yeah, very aware. Weird, right? that, that yeah, that's you guys, you that's guys for the whole hour, there, right? right? Not per person, right? No, I mean, so per, per, per hour, I think, yeah, you're probably talking about 20 pounds, roughly, more or less. And then you split that four ways. I mean, it's nothing. Wow, wow. That, that is huge. But look, you have, your, you have your monthly membership cost on top of that, which is probably, you know, 70, 80 pounds. So, like, it, it, it's wow. a bit more expensive. But nothing compared to, a, um, you know, a paddle club in a big city like a New York or a London where they can charge premiums and people have that income. Um, so look, the scale is going to massively vary. I think the interesting thing will happen when there are so many clubs and facilities for people to choose from, how are those clubs going to retain people, um, you know, at such high rates and that's where their, their offering comes in. Do they have a good, do they have a good bar, a good cafe, a good membership scene, a good event so, infrastructure? So, so that higher end club that you were talking about at the beginning, um, what would the membership be there? And then what would be the cost per hour? Because the, the, the pay by uh, pay by play is relatively very uh, inexpensive compared to Miami or Florida. Yeah, uh, it's a very good question. I'm afraid I don't have an answer for you on what their rates are. They they just opened, um, and my understanding is they've got a um, yeah a pay and play, but also like a membership structure. Membership, I think, offering you you know more exclusive access to the courts to book more in advance um, and certain kind of privileges. But a lot of people will still do, I guess, the pay and play until they become really familiar with the sport and can, I guess, see it as part of their lifestyle. And maybe, you know, people are busy, right? And they're working, working lives. So they maybe they drop one sport. Maybe they're not playing tennis anymore and they're playing paddle. Maybe they're playing, give up golf, which takes a lot of time mm. and play paddle. So a lot of people are, um, I think those in a working, in a working life are seeing it as, okay, what do they put their time to outside of work, family? Um, and they're having to maybe give up, give up one sport and, and take up something else more addictive like paddle. Yeah. Down here in, uh, in Florida or Miami, uh, we're about a hundred to $200, um, an hour and then over in New England and New York, we're probably looking at, you know, uh, three to four hundred dollars. Yeah. Hour. You have the reserve at three fifty an hour, hour, you know, then you have, yeah. you know, the lower end two fifty and all that. But Ben, um, why don't you tell our viewers, uh, let's talk about Paddle 22. Why don't you tell our, our viewers and listeners, what is Paddle 22 and what do you do exactly? What are we doing? Yeah, absolutely. So we are uh, an all-encompassing communications marketing agency, I suppose, is the best way to describe it. So um, the type of work we're doing, which is fits into my background a lot, is traditional PR. So it's working with clients uh, and they could be, they could be clubs. 
they could be players, paddle players. They could be um, leagues. Uh, they could be tournaments. Could be investors. It is essentially to work with them and tell their story of their business um, in a creative way to ensure they get in media attention. So that could be traditional newspapers. Increasingly more, it's online outlets. Um, it's radio and TV. It's podcasts because that's you know there's there's good podcasts out there and there's people that want to listen in on their morning commute on their drives. That's you know huge huge vehicle now. Um, and it's working on social media, so it's generating content on Instagram, video photography content. It's working with influencers, so obviously working with people who maybe are not not paddle players, but maybe they're from outside paddle and have a passion for the sport, but they want to be associated with a paddle audience in some way. They've found a you know I'll give you an example. There's a um, there's uh, someone here over here called Katia Jones, who's a, a big TV personality. She works on um, as a dancer on Strictly Come Dancing, which is a big BBC show. And she's become, you know, really passionate about paddle. So now we're seeing her in all sorts of paddle clubs and doing all sorts of paddle activities. And that's, you know, in a way we're seeing celebrities coming across to paddle because they've just got this passion for a sport that they've never had a chance to try before. So yeah, to answer your question, it's it's different communications um, uh, channels. We're doing a lot of launches for clubs, so we'll work and you know we'll get um, journalists on court alongside players, influencers, create some noise, create some publicity, and help them really get popular locally, so they can get membership and get people on their courts. Um, it's any form of storytelling, really. A lot of written work, and that can be on LinkedIn to the business audience. It can be press release writing, blogs. Um, you know, and there's so many tools in the toolbox these days. I think if I was doing my job 15 years ago, it'd be much more conventional writing press releases, working with journalists. Um, but now there's so much online through social media and different channels. You have to be quite alert and creative as to how to reach your audiences. That's fantastic. I mean, so you're pretty much the one-stop shop for everything related to a paddle in the, in the marketing world and social media world. Yeah, absolutely. So there's no one size fits all. Yes, there's, we always want to be working with journalists because there's still a huge influence they can have in terms of telling stories to huge numbers of people, right? But actually, you have to be creative because Paddle is still, um, it's still certainly in the UK, it's seen as, and the US as well, seen as a, a niche, niche sport. So you have to be like, okay, this isn't going to get in the New York Times every day. How can we reach an audience and excite people around this sport um, and get and find channels and outlets that might be interested in covering this. I'll give you an example. So working, working with fitness and health outlets, you know, paddle is seen as a good health, fitness, a good well-being activity. How can we, you know, work with a journalist who's reporting for those uh, publications and get them on court trying it, seeing what it's like. How is it compared to fitness in tennis or squash or another sport? So it's constantly trying to look at different ways of telling the story. Um, which keeps my job interesting, I guess. Right. Now, do you, you guys just focus on paddle only or do you guys do a, any other sports? Yeah, at the moment, although I'm, I'm getting more interested in pickleball, I have to say. Oh, no, no, <laughs> no, no, please. <laughs> Is that why you came to California on, on your last trip? Tell me about it. No, look, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of half joking. I, I came uh, when I was out in California. I knew I was going to have a, had a friend out there who was um, in Newport Beach and he said, you've got to come along and play pickleball. Uh, I won't. Won't tell you who he is, but he said, I, I hate pickleball, but there's no paddle courts. <laughs> but, so that's a good question. So what's happening with pickleball in, in, in the UK? I mean, is it happening? Yeah. It's on the radar of anyone or it's, it's only... It's, it's, it, it, do you know what it's not? I mean, there are a few... It's interesting. There are a few paddle clubs who are thinking, well, actually, there's not a huge cost constructing pickleball courts. So why don't we 
create a bit more to our offering and and put a you know in some space where maybe we can't fit a paddle court why don't we put in a couple of pickleball courts just to give another dimension another reason for people to come and if they come and they they can't play paddle or they're not interested in paddle maybe they'll play pickleball so people kind of like diversifying and spreading their risk i guess um i say that that's a that's a few people i've heard of doing that most who are doing paddle are just saying we're only going to construct paddle awareness of pickleball is pretty low i'd say the only awareness we have uh generally speaking is when we hear about how big it is in, in america yeah um but i don't think that's the end of the story i do think pickleball's got a good story to tell and i think it is appealing to people um clearly of different kind of different ages and different different backgrounds and i think um i think it will have a popularity here and i think it will grow so let, let's talk now about about the the big paddle elephant in the room so paddle 22 and racket x why don't you give us an intro because that's how i get to know you and um, you know yeah so let's talk about you your involvement in paddle 22 and, and racket x yeah was well, re really obviously delighted to be working with robert and the team i think the interesting thing about you know a lot of work we've been doing has been with paddle operators and clubs because that's the obvious you know they want to get awareness for their you know members and players on court but actually racket x is a really interesting one because it's yeah it's all racket sports right and it's i suppose what we're calling the big three of in no particular order tennis paddle and pickleball <laughs> yeah. and um and it, yeah i think it's a great idea i love the story behind it um i love the story robin and mark are you know creative with this idea that racket sports are doing pretty well and why don't we celebrate this um you know tennis participation is doing very well in america very well on this side of the atlantic as well pickleball we know about in the states paddle we know about across the rest of the world and it's yeah a little bit paddle and pickleball the ships crossing in the night right yeah Pad paddle is coming to the states like you know we all we can all see that and pickleball i think is coming to other parts of the world so there's a great story to be told you know even squash i've heard squash participation is is good in the us and that's in you know that's in contrast to many countries where it's on the decline so there's some great stuff happening in racket sports um and i think to bring everyone not everyone but a lot of people in racket sports have worked in their own silos in their own bubbles right because there's a bit of competitiveness, even within sports, you see tennis, there's, you know, different governing bodies, there's different associations to actually get all in a room together and say, actually, let's share, let's learn from each other. Let's see how we can do stuff different ways. None of us is perfect at how we've worked and how our sports have grown. So let's, let's learn off each other. And we don't need to be threatened, you know, pickable and paddle and tennis, in my view, can grow, um, can, can all grow and benefit. It doesn't need to be to the detriment of one or the other. So um, so yeah, I think I, I love the narrative behind it. I think it's going to have a great collection of different stakeholders, you know, investors, players, hopefully, um, clubs, manufacturers, coaches, constructors, there's so many different parts of the industry. Uh, and I'm, you know, really looking forward to seeing it and, and seeing everyone and, and coming to Miami for the first time. Fans, too. I were looking, I mean, I'm really looking forward when, when I saw you that you were part of the team. I mean, I, I really got excited because, you know, you're all in to paddle and, and the social media and all that. So you can bring so much value to, to Racket X and, and the entire team. So I really appreciate it. Good, good to hear. No, it's going to be a great event and it's, yeah, I can clearly, you know, absolutely see it's going to go on to fantastic things in the years ahead because, um, you know, these sports are, are here, the new sports are here, here to stay. Um, and I think there hasn't been anything like this, has there? Have you, no. There hasn't been, in my view, these racket sports coming together in one room and actually, uh, why not? Because surely everyone can benefit from that. 
Um, I think it's going to be a great experience. It's the right time to have it, you know, with the Miami Open. Yeah. Um, also, you know, it positions Miami so well as this racket sports, particularly tennis, but racket sports hub, right, with paddle now now booming. Um, so it was like a logical place to have it. So give us a quick review of what Racket X is, and so we get excited, you know, excited to all the, our viewers and listeners. Yeah, I think the the best way I can describe it is it essentially a celebration of how well racket sports are doing. Um, like I say, you know, tennis. If you look at all the statistics, tennis is doing really well. I'm sure helped by the pandemic, but that's you know it's a great thing. People got together and could play a sport like tennis. Um, I think you know the fact tennis is doing well in the US, more people playing it than before. Same in the UK and other European countries. Um, I think it is you know it's a celebration of these sports doing well. It's to send a message that actually. You know, to use the analogy, a rising tide lifts all boats, we're yeah. saying in English, but it's everyone can win from this. Um, I think it's going to be getting people together and, you know, and also getting people thinking laterally. So I don't think sport has always done the best job at working with tech and working with different industries to, to broaden its audience. I think sport does quite a good job at speaking to itself and just thinking it will retain fans and players. But actually, particularly now with, you know, new technologies and what kids are doing with games, etc., you need to not be complacent to, to grow your sport and get new fans for the future. So you've got to, how can, you know, how can the racket sports be working with yeah, the Googles and the Instagrams and the social media firms to grow, grow their audience and learn uh, and sort of adapt, I suppose. So I think it's about being thought provoking. It's about challenging. It's going to be about um, getting people in a room, talking together, not being threatened by each other. It's going to be about, moving toward together as a sector because I think racket sports should actually be a collective sector rather than at competition with, with each other. I don't think that helps. Perfect. Um, yeah. 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 Where, where's it going to be and what the dates? Give us for the Racket X that's, exploding that's right the, here. Racket X is going to be in Miami in uh, 24th to 26th of March 2024. So coming around quickly, we've just announced the first three speakers, which is great. So we've got on the paddle front, I should start with, we've got Marcus Del Pilar, who, who you guys will know is <laughs> yeah. a, a real pioneer, pioneer for the sport in the States and a friend of mine. Um, and we have uh, Katrina Adams on the tennis side, um, former USTA CEO, you know, big figure. Uh, and also we've got Thomas Shields on the pickleball side from the Dink. So I'm learning about these pickleball media and he's obviously doing a great job spreading the word of pickleball. So that's the start. I think we've got some big names to come. Uh, really excited about who's going to be in the room and, and what it's going to be like. So let me ask you, is Sandy coming over the pond? <laughs> is Sandy coming over? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't want to break any news here. No, uh, come on, love, man. <laughs> come on. I know. We'd love, look, I'll have a word. We'd love Sandy to come over. He's fantastic. He's doing wonders for the sport. Um, I love what they're doing. They've got a, well, they've done a fantastic job so far and they are, they're accelerating the sport's growth to all these new markets. Like yeah. they, you know, and hands down, they've done a fantastic job at growing it um, and hugely popular. So we'd love to see them in Miami. Yeah, that'll be great, man. I'm, I'm sure you're coming, right? I, I hope I'm coming, yeah. I hope oh I God, you better, man. Don't forget your bathing suit and your, you know, suntan lotion. <laughs> I'm going to do some work. Man. <laughs> quick, quick question, Ben, I got. Yeah. Uh, do you guys represent any players? Yeah, so we're actually working like, logically because it's home. We've started with British players. Uh, I'd like to do some work with uh, Brittany Americans, listening with some American players because I'm, I'm doing a lot of work in the States. And I'm, I'm, you know, I should share this. I'm, I'm sure that's obvious, but I'm very passionate about paddles growth in the US because I think it is, it's very early stage, but it's going to be huge. So um, in the UK, we're working with Tia Norton uh, on the women's side, doing some work with Sam Jones on the men's side. He's the number two. 
Um, yeah, and the American players, I think, you know, we'd love to be doing some more because they've got stories to tell. Yeah, so we interview a lot of uh, players, the top 10 players here, and they're always looking for sponsors. They're always looking for something to give them more exposure. So can you talk to them a little bit what you actually do? What could you do for them? Absolutely. And the two go hand in hand. So, look, you know, we're very aware of the state of the sport in countries like the US and the UK is that these players want sponsorship, they want to tell their stories, they're passionate about the sports growth. And you look, you don't see that in a lot of the established sports, they'll have many agents, they'll have many, you know, they'll be quite selfish about their playing careers, I would say. But actually in paddle, the great thing is you're seeing players who really, yes, they're passionate about their playing, but they're also passionate about seeing the sport grow and grow. And that's like this underlying desire they have to, to be like, I suppose, champions of its success. Um, so what we do is we work with those players to grow their profile and that can be done through Instagram. So we'll work, you know, we'll at a very practical level, we'll say to a player like Sam, we'll say, right, you need to be, you know, have your iPhone at the side of the court. You need a tripod. You need to film yourself playing, send it to us. We'll package it up, make it look really good. We'll create your own brand from it. And we will, you know, present it on social media, on Instagram, uh, make sure you're, um, engaging with different Make, make sure sponsors are seeing you, making sure the right audiences are seeing you, helping you grow, grow your brand that way. Um, and then similarly, we'll work at media relations. So we'll try and tell a story for someone like Sam to, um, yeah, to different media outlets. What's his story? Where, where in the UK is he from? Who's he representing? Um, what's his background? You know, he lived in Dubai for a while. So an obvious market is to speak to Dubai media about him um, and tell the story of why he went to live there to develop his paddle. So yeah, it's social media engagement, it's media relations, um, it's creating content for them, video photography where we can. Um, and yeah, it's also doing their, you know, doing their writing on the sort of the more business corporate side. So I think LinkedIn is a platform that's huge um, for Paddle because it's where a lot of the Paddle industry is meeting, getting to know each other when they can't be there in the same room. Um, so it's how can they present themselves in the best way to sponsors so they look professionals, so they look they're not business people, but they still need to, they need to be a, appear as a brand, as a business, because they've got to be marketable. So how can they present themselves on LinkedIn and show that they are, um, as well as they're doing on the court, they're really presentable, serious um, kind of brands themselves mm -hmm. off the court. And is so there, different is, ways. Yeah, is there different tiers when it comes to cost? And what would uh, a player expect uh, to pay for something like, like that yearly? Yeah, okay. So typically it would work... We'd say to a player like, you know, we're not gonna, we're not gonna say you're gonna have a one month success. We can do obviously stuff in the short term, but actually it's, a, it's about a growth. Um, so we'll work with them on say like a monthly retainer basis, um, and that can be, you know, it will come down to how much time we put to it essentially. But we'll have certain deliverables, things we're trying to achieve for them. So we might say, okay, what we're gonna try and do is secure you um, attention in X or Y media outlets um, and we'll try and get stories or interviews for them in those outlets or podcast appearances for example or we might say right we're going to raise your instagram audience by x percent i'm not going to say what number it depends what they're at but you know or we're going to try and you know we can't promise them sponsors but what we can promise them is more attention we'll give them more visibility to sponsors to start those conversations so it's a door opener essentially um and it's it's a stepping stone to them getting the sponsorship discussions, securing sponsors, having a you know more comfortable life, so they're not only relying on prize money. Um, it's a process, and it's you know it's, it's part of the process we want to work on because we're passionate about it. So what I mean are you know the players come down here or yes. and most of the players that they're not 
in, in the final semifinals or quarterfinals uh, of the World Paddle Tour premiere, they're kind of starving artists. You know, this is they're trying to yeah. get to make a live, living out playing paddle, but they usually have, they're doing something else. What what can they expect to and, and you know what you're doing is great because at the end of the day, they're looking for a sponsor. Right. And sponsors yes. want somebody that looks credible and professional uh, and and that's something that you can provide for them. And there's value there. So what yeah. what investment would they have to make? Do you think, uh, a, you know, on a monthly basis, uh, you know, just to get yeah, our, yeah, our sure. players a good idea of what they need to invest in? Yeah, definitely. It's all um, it, it all depends how much obviously how much budget they have. I guess essentially as to how much we can help them. Um, but look, you know, I'll give you an idea of you know players generally. We might say, okay, well, we'll we'll put in X number of days a month, and you know. $1,000, for example, and we can support you across Instagram. Um, we can support you across me pitching you to media, getting you introduced to journalists, yeah, getting interviewed and hopefully getting stories published. Um, and then we can do your writing as well. So we'll write your LinkedIn posts because you don't, don't have time for that or you might not be a, an expert writer. Um, and we'll help you build the connections on LinkedIn as well. So hopefully they get more seen by the right people. They get seen by companies, by business people that suddenly are interested in them because they separate to that they're hearing about this amazing sport of paddle and if they're seeing a player they're thinking oh, hang on this is a good way maybe for our business to tell our story yeah. so um yeah so look it, as with all these things it depends depends how much time you want to invest to it um but we're very aware players do not have the the deep pockets of big companies mm -hmm. so we'll say you know um you know i i i would say you know like a thousand dollars to a player will get mm -hmm. get them a certain amount of time a month okay. that we will really okay. try and up their audiences and sure. up their profile. So they yeah. should expect to spend about twelve thousand a year, in, in marketing themselves, and hopefully they can help them expose them, to, you know, to yeah. to sponsors and and you know and, and move them up in their career. Yeah, and look, we want to work with. Ultimately, we want to work with players and kind of and our ultimate ambition, obviously, apart from the day job, is actually just to to grow the profile of the sport. And if we can work with players, we're really keen to do that. Um, so if players, you know, have the challenges and they're like, I see the value in this, but I can't afford that amount per month. It's like, well, let's have a discussion. Obviously then, you know, the result is like, we can't put as much time to it per month. That's just obviously business sense. Mm -hmm. But the main thing is we have the kind of the will to make it work. Uh, we want to send, see them grow in their career. They, they have to do the stuff on the court, but if we can help off then that's, that's, uh, that makes us, us happy. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So, so how can they get, how can they get in touch with you? Through your website, yeah, sure. sure. So website is paddle twenty two uh, dash um, sorry paddle dash twenty two dot com. I should say uh, my email ben at paddle dash twenty two dot com, um, and then on Instagram is a great place to follow us. So paddle twenty two global, all one word. Um, I have my own personal page as well, the paddle PR, and then um, and then I'm on LinkedIn, pretty active on there as well. So there's a number of ways, um, number of ways, and hopefully you'll you'll see them in the show notes. Perfect. We're gonna we're gonna put all those notes on, oh, yeah. on the notes and Definitely. for anyone to to, to reach out to you. No, I think I think this is great. I think um, yeah, look, I think it's an interesting topic. I think is in which which parts of the U.S. the you know the game is going to grow fastest. Obviously, we know Florida, Miami. We can see what's happening a little bit now in California with Tactica and New York Paddle House and Reserve and others. But I think it's going to be interesting to see which parts of the country. It starts. It's like the heat map, right? To yeah. See where the game, where the game grows. Um, you know, maybe that's a whole other discussion. But it's, um, 
I'll be interested to know how how fast it is, and, you know, to know what you guys think in, in terms of what what pocket, which cities it's going to be growing in. It's it's Florida, man. I mean, it's yeah. really growing here. Um, of course, it's gonna. Once there's there's once there's a model when it comes to uh, let's say New England because you're dealing with uh, uh, the snow and the rain and different seasons. Yeah. Once there's this type of like model there, then everybody will copy it and it'll just keep growing as well. But really, it's it's here in Florida. I mean, it's grown like tremendous in the last two three years. I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah. So the big question from uh, someone from the UK: When is Andy Murray gonna be make the jump into battle? <laughs> <laughs> I know we're all waiting, right? Well, he's he's involved in one of the companies here. You're aware, game for paddle, but um, yeah, I know we we all wonder. I think look, we're seeing it in pickleball, right? So Eugenie Bouchard, I think, made the move. Was it yesterday or a few days ago? Yeah. Uh, obviously, a lot of other big names um, investing in pickleball um yeah like i think it's a matter of time we're definitely seeing you know there's definitely interest from tennis players or like ex-tennis players who are getting involved there's interest from a lot of football or soccer players um and and other kind of sports you know like rugby cricket some of the british sports we're seeing ex-players come into paddle because it's it keeps their competitive juices flowing yeah. um and you know it's not maybe not as how would i put it it's not as going to take as long to get to a decent standard as a tennis or yeah. golf if you're starting for the first time you know the technical abilities hopefully are quicker to pick up so definitely seeing more athletes from other sports playing it um i haven't answered your andy murray because that's an impossible <laughs> question right <laughs> so w one final question and I, and I know you guys are uh, avid uh you know, rugby players and all that um yeah. i'm from argentina we follow up rugby pretty well sadly you guys are kick your asses in the la in the first game of the world cup but uh, I don't know if you've seen the game or not, but it was pretty tough for us to, to swallow that pill. <laughs> yeah, I know. No, look, I mean, actually, just on the rugby, I think look, it's hats off to, you know, Argentina over the years. It's <laughs> you guys, you know, but you guys have come like, I mean, you're super competitive these days. I yeah. mean, to be honest, like 20 years ago, if I was watching England, Argentina play, I'd be like, well, this should be a win for England. But yeah. actually now it's, it's so much more competitive. And actually that makes the sport better, right? So. Yeah. Take aside your like, you know, the, the patriotism of wanting your home country to win. Actually, now it's a much more global game. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's many more countries that can actually give the the old countries a, a good run for their money. So it's yeah, it's it's a much more interesting proposition than it was. Right. What, what I'm very, very happy is, you know, Argentina is much better at paddle than in the UK. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That, <laughs> <laughs> maybe you, you guys could give us a bit of a chance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's, I mean, it's culturally, you guys are so far ahead. It's, uh, that's going to take time. That, that is an interesting topic, actually. It's going to be, you know, when will the world rankings, how many years or maybe decades away before we see the multiple flags appear? Yeah. Uh, and that's, it, that doesn't happen overnight, right? It's, you know, we need to see it develop as an Olympic sport. We need yeah. to see like infrastructure in all these countries so it becomes the norm for kids to grow up playing paddle. Yes. Yeah. You know, I don't know how old I'm going to be when that happens. But, well, uh, you know, one one of the major issues that we have here in, in in the United States is that you know they need to start investing money on the junior paddles. You know what I mean? Start growing yeah. the, the, the the you know the sport from the bottom up, and and that's one of the things that we're lacking right now. I'm I'm part of the USBA uh, uh, competition committee, and now we have, we got to send the kids to 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 the World Cup of paddle for juniors, and we don't have enough in the entire country. We don't have enough juniors for us to send them to to compete. Yeah, I mean, so this is an interesting area, actually, because I think a lot of people, I mean, a lot of businesses will go into power, similar in the UK and US, and they'll just think, right, let's build the courts, that's where the money can be made, that's yeah. how we're going to generate return on investment, etc. Fair enough, great, you know, that's the obvious business decision. 
uh, apart from maybe building a paddle racket brand or clothing, etc. But actually, for the like for the good of the game, who's developing the infrastructure that when all these courts are built, you know, where where's it going to be in schools? Where's it going to be in universities, colleges? Yeah. Who's developing the, the whole piece of the puzzle that has to happen alongside? You can have courts, but if there's no one that's taking care of, you know, the pathway programs and stuff, then you're going to have a very strange landscape in 10, 20 years. I don't think that's going to be the case. Like I could see amazing job, you know, Ryan and the guys at Tactica, they're fully focused on that development piece. So there are, you know, that is kind of underway, but that's going to take a long time, right? To get into all the colleges and get into the schools and to make it a mainstream sport. So I think any country that's taking on paddle, like a UK or US, you, do, you, you need people devoted to that side of the, that, you know, obviously the, the USPA, you know, is very involved in that, but you need lots of pairs of hands to, to generate that because it takes a long time. So you don't want to forget about that, whichever country you are. Yeah, for sure. Excellent. Well, what yeah. a great pleasure having you here. I know you have to run. You have a, a meeting quickly. Well, no, look, this was, this was a lot of fun. Um, thanks for having me on. And uh, yeah, look, I'm, like I said, I'm passionate about the growth of the game. Obviously in Florida, seeing you guys lead the way, but I'm glad to see it spreading its wings now. Um, I'm glad to see the PPL taking shape and, and some of the players now, um, you know, generate, generate interest and people are turning heads, which is, which is good. Fantastic, man. I'm, we're looking forward to see you in March, uh, March 24th at the Racket X Expo mm -hmm. right here at the Miami Beach Convention Center. Mm -hmm. Let's rock it, baby. Let's take paddle to the, to the next level. Mm -hmm. All right. All Great, right, guys. Ben, th thank, thank you, you for coming so on the show and we wish you all the luck. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Ben. Thanks, guys. All the best. Have a good one. Bye. See you. Bye. Bye. Guys, if you haven't already, make sure that you hit that subscribe button and turn on your notifications. And remember, it's free 99. It doesn't cost you anything to hit that subscribe button. Thanks for tuning in to Paddle Smash Academy. We hope you'll find our videos informative, helpful in improving your game and learning all things paddle. So until next time, keep improving your game. And remember, learn, play, and share.